Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Was a Wuhan-style lab just found in California? And the White House's impressively Orwellian response to Devin Archer's testimony to Congress today about Hunter Biden and his business dealings. This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Let's start today in Taiwan, because we're doing it again, this time with Taiwan and China, as the U.S. has announced $345 million in military aid for Taiwan in what is the Biden administration's first major package drawing on America's own stockpiles to help Taiwan counter China. Now, we've sold them billions of weapons, but this is the first package that we're sending that's approved by Congress and the president. The model, the Ukraine model, we tested it over there, and I guess we're going to refine it here as we have a statement from Kathleen Hicks, who she told the this is a Pentagon De- deputy defense secretary, told the Associated Press that getting stockpiles of weapons to Taiwan now before an attack begins is one of the lessons the U.S. has learned from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We don't want to wait till the fighting begins. We want to get stuff there beforehand. China was obviously not happy about this announcement, as a spokesperson for their Taiwan Affairs Office said. No matter how much of the ordinary people's taxpayer money the Taiwanese separatist forces spend, no matter how many U.S. weapons, it will not shake our resolve to solve the Taiwan problem or shake our firm will to realize the reunification of our motherland. Their actions are turning Taiwan into a powder keg and ammunition depot aggravating the threat of war in Taiwan. And to further raise concern about that, during a 60 Minutes interview yesterday, 60 Minutes Australia interview, United States Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was asked this question. We recently spent some time with the U.S. military in waters off Taiwan, and Mm. and your generals told us that war is imminent, they're ready. So isn't AUKUS all too late? On the contrary, uh, when it comes to Taiwan, our focus, Australia's focus, is absolutely on preserving the the status quo, making sure that no one disrupts the status quo by unilateral action. Blinken's generals say that war is imminent with China or with Taiwan and China, but they're ready. And yet he says quite the contrary. The goal is to maintain peace. Well, he better get his generals in check then, if that's the case. A little bit of mixed messaging going on. Intentional mixed messaging, I believe. That seemed like a pretty scripted moment there. And if his generals were so blatantly contradicting what the goal is, I don't know if he would be as ease about it as he appeared to be there. This seems to be like an intentional escalation to me between us and China. Next story has another little bit of a a China theme to it. An abandoned warehouse in Reedley, California, was discovered to have its own little Wuhan-like biolab inside of it. An investigation into the warehouse uncovered a large-scale illegal medical lab complete with 1,000 mice bioengineered to incubate the COVID-19 virus. 
Also found were 30 refrigerators filled with samples of blood, tissue, and other bodily fluids and serums, as well as thousands of vials of unlabeled fluids and suspected biological material. Maybe it's biologics. Maybe it's a UAP, UFO. Get David Grush in here on the job or get one of his sources on in here. We know he never sees anything firsthand. According to the documents, officials with the CDC tested what they could and determined that at least 20 potential infectious viral, bacterial, and parasitic agents were present, including E. coli, malaria, coronavirus, and human herpes. 200 of the 1,000 bioengineered mice that were found were dead. The director of the Fresno County Department of Public Health, Joe Prado, said that the warehouse occupants claimed that they were doing some testing on laboratory mice that would help them support developing the COVID test kits they had on site. So they were injecting the mice with coronavirus and I guess herpes also, human herpes, to test and see if their COVID tests work. I guess they didn't want to get any false positives, so they better go ahead and give the mice human herpes. The lab was run under a company called Prestige Biotech, which is unlicensed for business in California and whose president, X. Quinn Yeo, said was a successor to the now-defunct company Universal Meditech Incorporation. However, officials dispatched to addresses linked to the companies turned up at empty office buildings or addresses in China that could not be verified. Prado told NBC affiliate KSEE of Fresno that those associated with Prestige Biotech were not forthcoming with the information. Well, clearly, the investigation was prompted back in March by a simple garden hose that was illegally attached and coming out of a wall in the back of the building in violation of the code. You have the Taiwan story, you have Blinken talking 60 Minutes Australia saying our guys are saying they're ready for war. Now you have a Wuhan-like lab in California which definitely hints to that theme. I said at the very beginning of COVID that I thought eventually the explanation would be that it was an intentionally created bioweapon out of the Wuhan lab because it feeds the war with China narrative that has appeared to be part of the Great Reset ever since the beginning. Whether that happens or not, I don't know, but we've gotten to the point where the Wuhan lab origin is accepted by a large portion of the population. And this here sounds like a biolab where weaponized viruses were being created. I'm wondering if X Quinn Yao is just Fauci with the disguise on. He's appropriating Asian culture by posing as a Chinese man while conducting another one of his little experiments, a little closer to home this time. Maybe another gain of function. Maybe it's not gain of function if Rand Paul's asking me, but it is gain of function if you look at the paperwork. All right, now onto the story everyone's talking about today. Hunter Biden's former business partner, Devin Archer, testified to the Congressional Oversight Committee today. These stories, more than anything else, these Biden corruption stories, they shine a light on how cognitive dissonance can be used against people, how, how they, you can get people to accept that two plus two is five if doing so enables them to continue believing in their preferred narrative. And in the response to what Archer testified to in Congress, the, the White House, they released a, a, an impressively Orwellian statement to help Biden supporters do that very thing, to continue to live in the comfort of a narrative built on lies that they prefer to believe. You can see the contrasting takeaways 
in the headlines here, USA Today, Joe Biden greeted Hunter Biden's associates and clients on phone, but wasn't involved in business, witness says. And you go over here to Fox. Devin Archer confirms Joe Biden lied about knowledge of Hunter's business dealings, Comer says. Both sides with their angles to grab on. This one, however, pretty apparent what's going on. During the hearing, Archer said that when Joe was vice president, he joined Hunter's dinners with Hunter's foreign business associates in person or by speakerphone over 20 times. So that's already showing that he lied. Biden lied over and over again for years. Biden lied. Archer also said that the value of adding Hunter Biden to Burisma's board was, quote, the brand and confirmed that then Vice President Joe Biden was, in fact, the brand and that the 20 phone calls or so were to sell that brand of Biden. He also admitted that Burisma would have gone out of business if the brand had not been attached to it. Joe Biden was also dialed into a dinner in Paris with a French energy company and in China with Jonathan Lee, the CEO of BHR. Then Vice President Biden also had coffee with Lee in Beijing and even wrote a letter of recommendation for college for Lee's daughter. And in 2014, then Vice President Biden attended a business dinner with Hunter and his associates at Cafe Milano in D.C. Elena Batrina, a Russian oligarch, who was the widow of the former mayor of Moscow, was an attendee. And notably, the Biden administration's public sanctions did not contain Batrina. You get it. Everything the Republicans said that Joe and Hunter were, were doing, they were doing. Most people knew that. Anybody who looked at the laptop who, who didn't have their mind pre-bunked and were too afraid to look at it knew that. And yet the Democrats' response to this is, is, say, is that saying hi to someone in a restaurant or on speakerphone isn't the same as having knowledge of Hunter's business dealings. That's what one of the Democrats that were in the hearing said afterwards. And then that was repeated by you know, a bunch of NPCs all over Twitter all day. I mean, they really went with that. That's the best that they could do, that Joe had no knowledge of Hunter's business dealings, despite being on speakerphone during over 20 of Hunter's business lunches and dinners where they spoke about their business dealings. If that's true, if Joe really was clueless to what was going on, Hunter's calling him oh, every single time he has a business lunch. He Let's get dad on the speakerphone. And Joe is clueless to, to what they're actually talking about. Then President Biden has been mentally unfit for office far longer than everyone has realized. Because you either know what's going on in this situation or you're a stupid dumbass who's mentally unfit for office. So has he always been dumb or is he just corrupt? I think we know what the answer to that is. And here's how the White House responded today <laughs> to what Archer said. White House spokesperson Ian Sims said, Ian Sams, it appears that the House Republicans' own much-hyped witness today testified that he never heard of President Biden discussing business with his son or his son's associates or doing anything wrong. House Republicans keep promising bombshell evidence to support their ridiculous attacks against the president, but time after time, they keep failing to produce any. In fact, even their own witnesses appear to be debunking their allegations. So Devin Archer confirms everything that Republicans have been claiming about the Biden family influence peddling scheme and how Biden's been lying. And the White House responds to this 
by asserting that what Archer actually did was debunk all of those claims. That's as Orwellian as it gets. Two plus two is five. Joe brought dignity back to the White House, and he loves his seventh granddaughter, the one he just acknowledged after four years of intentionally pretending she didn't exist. That's what this chick on CNN pivoted to while reporting this story about uh, Archer's testimony. In the same sentence, she was like, you see, the president never talked about their business dealings while he was on the speakerphone during their business lunches. He was just saying hi because he's a nice, friendly old man who just, by the way, happened to acknowledge his seventh granddaughter, Hunter's daughter, not once but twice. See, see how nice of an old man he is? And he was talking about the importance of family on a podcast today. He's a good, decent man. You can see her brain frying from the cognitive dissonance. And it is true, by the way. President Biden did finally acknowledge the existence of his seventh grandchild, Navy Joan, after four years. Grandfather of the year. That CNN chick failed to mention a few things about that story, like how neither Joe nor Hunter have ever met Hunter's four-year-old daughter, or how prior to this, Biden had repeatedly said that he had only six grandchildren, and that White House staffers prior to this had been told that the Bidens have only six, not seven grandchildren, or that the White House hung only six stockings at Christmas this past year for each of the other grandchildren, and then a seventh one, not for Navy Joan, but for the dog, or that Hunter went to court to prevent Navy from taking the Biden family name, or that as part of the child support settlement, while Navy would not be getting the Biden family last name, what she would get to keep, all for herself, was one of Hunter's paintings. That's what Hunter's given the daughter he's never met. So that when she needs a father... She can just go gaze into it. Maybe it'll speak to her. Maybe that's why Hunter's art is so valuable. It gives fatherly advice. That's a great gift. I think everybody's being a little bit too hard on Hunter. You know what they say, to give a kid the best chance in life, they need to be raised by both the mother and an oil painting. Maybe when she gets to the fifth grade, she can take it to the daddy-daughter dance. The Bidens are objectively not good people, and this story has made it hard for even his supporters to deny that any longer. They still rationalize their support for him, but not without admitting that he's kind of awful and Hunter, too, at the same time. It's just a great evidence of the principle that gets someone to hate the other side enough, and they'll rationalize their support for the biggest piece of trash on the planet as long as they feel they're stopping the other one. USA Today published an article right before Biden made this acknowledgement about his granddaughter, where they asked a bunch of his supporters how they felt about the fact that Biden had refused to acknowledge this little girl's existence ever since she was born, up until a couple of days ago. The article is titled, President Biden won't acknowledge his youngest granddaughter. It turns off even some supporters. Even some supporters. I love the way they phrased that headline. It turns off even some supporters. Like it presumes that Biden supporters are just awful people that will put up with absolutely any behavior, not be phased. But this, this abhorrent behavior to this little girl was so awful and bad that it turned off even some of Biden's awful supporters. And I would certainly hope that it did. If you're a Biden supporter and it did not turn you off this story, then you're probably trash. I'm wondering if USA Today approached some people and said, hey, look how awful Hunter and Joe are treating this little girl that's their own blood relative. Does it bother you? No, I kind of like it. That's why I'm voting for Joe. The article says, 
Even among Democrat supporters in Philadelphia, a city Biden carried with more than 80 percent of the vote in 2020 and where he kicked off his 2020 campaign, the question about his granddaughter doesn't sit well with all, particularly among fellow grandparents who can put themselves in the president's shoes. Lewis Snipe admires President Joe Biden, but has a much different opinion of Grandpa Joe Biden. See, they separate the two. While crediting Biden for rebuilding the economy and restoring dignity to the White House, Snipe has trouble squaring his support with Biden's refusal to acknowledge the existence of his four-year-old granddaughter in Arkansas, whom his son, Hunter Biden, fathered out of wedlock. Just think about that sentence right there. In the same sentence... They say this guy is giving Biden credit for restoring dignity to the White House, but he's also got a little bit of a problem how this dude who restored dignity refuses to acknowledge the existence of his four-year-old granddaughter. This is the cognitive dissonance rationalization at play here. Snipe, who's a grandfather of five, said this, If my children have children, they're my children. It amazes me. I'll put it that way. Biden's behavior, it amazes him. Of course, that's Grandfather Biden. President Biden, he's okay with. That's one area where I think I have a disagreement. He thinks he has a disagreement? Said Heron Miller, a 66-year-old grandfather of two, who works as a technical coordinator for steel at Philly Shipyard, where Biden visited last Friday to tout his efforts to boost domestic manufacturing. Miller said, I think he should acknowledge that that's another granddaughter, but I'm not sure how important it is to national policy. David Bass, now a former writer and publisher in medicine from Philadelphia, supports Biden, but says the president's unwillingness to recognize his granddaughter is a bit hypocritical. Yeah, just a bit, David. Rich Henry, an 80-year-old grandfather of five from Philadelphia, says Trump has been guilty of everything possible. Biden's seventh grandchild is a problem, yeah, but it's a personal problem. Unbelievable logic-proof compartments they're creating in their heads. I mean, how can you justify, you just recognize the person's awful and let me make myself feel better about supporting them, even while at the same time I'm acknowledging that I would never do that and I think it's terrible. People sometimes say that they're just going to vote a straight Democrat or straight Republican ticket, even if they don't know who half the names of the candidates are or a thing about them, because they're just voting for the policy, they say. I tell them that I refuse to do that because if you deploy that strategy long enough, odds are pretty good that you're eventually going to vote for a pedophile. And that's not something you want weighing on your conscience. These people are rationalizing support for a person who on a personal level they can't help but admit is awful. The type of person who, if somebody they knew behaved that way, they would shame and shun that person and distance themselves, have nothing to do with them. But since this is a president and they think the other guy's worse, they have to make themselves feel okay about voting for such trash. Divide and rule at its finest. Brought to you by Cognitive Dissonance. Staying with the Biden family, Jill's ex-husband is in the news. Bill Stevenson is his name, and he has come out and made a very believable claim about Joe Biden. Even though Jill and Joe claim they first met on a blind date in 1974, Jill's ex, Stevenson, says they actually met in 1972 when Joe was running for the United States Senate and he stopped by the Stone Balloon, which was Stevenson's very popular nightclub in Newark, the college town there. At that first meeting there, Stevens said that he told a 
funny personal anecdote that was related to football and his own mom. And then two hours later, after Biden was introduced to the club's bouncers, all of them being University of Delaware football players, Biden then repeated the exact same story to them as if it were his own. And he did it right in front of Stevenson. Stevenson said, I just stared at him in shock. He acted like it was just his own story. I just told myself, this must be what politicians are like. And Biden does that all the time, doesn't he? He just makes up stories that are not true, and the media rationalizes it. Sometimes they call him out on it a little bit, but they say, oh, it's no big deal. He's just trying to illustrate a point. He also claims the Biden family threatened him during his divorce from Jill in the mid-70s, saying Biden's brother Frank told him if he didn't give up his house to Jill, he would face serious problems. Full disclosure on this guy, he is releasing a book soon on the Biden crime family. Although he does also say in these interviews that he voted for Biden, or he supported Biden twice when he ran for vice president with Barack Obama. So it seems like he's holding a grudge for decades, but then he's like, oh yeah, I voted for Biden a few, a few elections ago, but now I'm mad at him again, which he has to appear to be mad at him again because he wants his Biden crime family book to sell. All right, before we get to the final story of the day, which is going to be about a new web browser that comes with a dead man switch, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the Drive Time News Blast XR, the subscriber-only portion of the show, which is going to be yet another study that's just going to want to make elites continue trying to steal the blood of the young. And a not-safe-for-work story about a problem that some men in India seem to have with cows. A very strange problem. If you want to get access to that subscriber-only portion of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. What you will get along with the DMB XR, the subscriber-only content, is you will get this show, the DMB ad-free. I remove all of the ads for subscribers, and I put it together with the XR, and it goes into your own private RSS feed that you can then put into any podcast app player that you listen on. And as soon as I upload it to Patreon, it will upload to your podcast app. That is how I support the show and how I support myself. You will be helping to continue to keep this show going. And if you want to support it another way, you can go to Apple Podcast, iTunes, whichever one it is, leave a five-star review and a comment that warms my heart. That does help me stay motivated and keep me going as well. So thank you for those of you that do that. I do read them, and I appreciate y'all greatly. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Brad Binkley, at, Rumble at rumble.com slash PropReport, on Twitter at Freedom Act Radio, and my website is propagandafight.com. All right, on to the final story of the day. There's a new web browser called Opera GX that comes with a dead man switch. This new feature is called Fake My History. And when it's triggered, it uses AI to swap out your real browser history with a more wholesome one. So that that way when you're gone and people start looking through your browser history, they don't find all the sick stuff you're into. With Fake My History, we're wiping the slate clean and replacing your scandalous digital shenanigans with a totally fake version of your browsing past. That's from the Opera GX product director said in a press release. It works like this. After two weeks of inactivity, as long as the feature is enabled, it replaces your browser history with the more wholesome one. This is the type of thing that we have to worry about in the modern world is people finding our browser history. I remember I used to write on notes where I would write stand-up material or ideas for it when I was doing stand-up all the time, I would always write little disclaimers at the top that was like, this is a joke. I'm not, I'm, I don't really mean this. I'm just kidding. Just in case I got into an accident or something and my notes were just strewn all over the interstate and people were going, what is up with this weirdo and all these stupid penis jokes? 
you just want to make clear, and I feel it's the same thing going on here with the browser history. In fact, tech companies are becoming increasingly attuned to both the privacy and social media preferences of the recently departed. Both Apple and Facebook provide a legacy contract feature to designate a trusted person to handle your accounts after you die or are incapacitated. That'd be the worst, wouldn't it? You're incapacitated. Maybe you can't talk. Yet you see somebody going over to open up your computer and open up your browser history. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't even explain yourself. Here's what the article says from their website. As a parting gift, Opera GX will graciously replace your browsing history with an entirely fictional yet surprisingly pleasant version. In case your nosy partner, parent, or roommate opens Opera GX and sneaks a posthumous peek at your history, they can marvel at your bogus yet impeccable online taste and the charmingly fictional exploits that fill your digital past. Bask in the glory of your phony yet plausible sanitized browser history that rivals the innocent escapades of the internet's most virtuous users with fake web searches like local volunteer opportunities, free online courses for personal growth, how to encourage voting in my community, how to build a birdhouse, and more upstanding queries that would make your grandma proud. Upon opting in, users can have their browser history automatically deleted after 14 consecutive days of inactivity and replaced with a carefully selected, predefined set of various URLs. To not keep them waiting, they can also select the Pretend I'm Dead Now box and the feature will immediately go into effect. So I guess that is saying you get to pick the URLs. That's good. So there you go. It's called Opera GX. Fake my history. Check it out if you want. That's where we're going to wrap the show up. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. We'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.